Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today it's episode number 333. 333, which we thought was pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I just think it has a nice ring. Yeah. Three threes. It's kind of cool. It's visually pleasing. Certainly. Very round. But this is also the beginning of season eight, seven, season seven. What is it? Eight. It's season eight, Katie. Which is kind of arbitrary because we were here last week and we'll be here next week. But we like to also kind of reset in the fall. So hence, this is season number eight is beginning today. Yes. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. I'm the slave driver. <laughs> Are you the wicked? Yeah. I said to Katie, <laughs> how about we take August off, you know, or at least the last two weeks of August. She's like, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> we considered it briefly. I always meant to do it in the back of my head, but it just never happened. And now August is over. So sorry about that. Maybe we'll take some random week off around the holidays or something I like that. I think so. That would be a good idea. Anyway, we figured since it's the beginning of season eight, we'll do a quick recap of who we are. Some of you know, some of you are new though. So Tiffany, why don't you go first? So I'm Tiffany Parks and I live in Rome, Italy. I've lived here for 16 years, Katie. I'm Whoa. coming up. My 16th anniversary is, in, is a couple days away. Wow. I know. I know. It's a long time. I mean, I'm coming up to having Italy be the lo- the place I've lived or Rome specifically, the place I've lived longer than I've lived anywhere. Wow. So I'm from Seattle. Uh, Katie and I met on the school bus in the sixth grade. Yes. I've been friends ever since. This podcast has been going on for seven years now. I think we just, right? Um, It's been seven years. Six and a half. Almost. Six and a half years. Six and a half years. So we're on season eight. But as Katie said, our season numbers are a little bit arbitrary. They don't always go with the calendar year. So uh, we technically are on season eight, but this is the seventh year. And I'm a writer. My debut novel, Midnight in the Piazza, was published two years ago. And you can check that out. We have the links in our show notes. It's an art mystery that takes place in Rome. And I also do a little bit of travel writing. I'm also a tour guide. And I am married to an Italian. And I have a little half-Italian redhead son. Good encapsulation. Is that everything? Yeah, yeah, that's everything. (laughs) Height, weight, no, just kidding. (laughs) Right. And I am Katie Sewell. I'm a public radio professional. Been in the business now for almost two decades. Most of that time I worked as a senior producer on a daily morning show. And in 2013, I quit my job to move to Rome for just one year, which was highly out of character for me. And that was where this show begins and where Tiffany and I reconnected in a deeper way, which is partly because of this show and partly because we got to live on the same street as each other for a while. Mm -hmm. So unlike Tiffany, who moved to Rome with an absolute dedication to stay no matter what happened and to somehow make it work and legal, I knew that I was probably going to be there temporarily. And then this show sort of chronicles everything that happened there and everything that's happened since. Yeah, and it starts in Rome. We started the podcast when we were living in Rome on the same street. Yes, the good and the bad. It's not all just rosy. You'd think moving overseas, you're like, I'll move overseas. (laughs) It's not always cupcakes and hamburgers. I don't know. Unicorns. (laughs) Cupcakes and... Unicorns. Yeah, and making out with hot guys in cars (laughs) is also difficult. And stepping off the path that you're on does take courage and it does lead you in different directions that you wouldn't expect. So, 
we'll leave it there. I encourage you to go back and listen from the beginning if you've never been here before. I promise you it'll be a, an adventure that might change your life in some way. It has changed many a life. Oh, and we've also got a whole bunch of famous authors and scholars that come on the show all the time now. True, true. Yeah, that's always fun as well. All right. So today's topic, though, we're talking about numbers. So number wise, where do you want to begin? Well, yeah, when, when we realized that this was our 333rd episode, I said, why don't we do an episode all about numbers? What we like about numbers, lucky numbers, unlucky numbers, weird numerical facts, our favorite numbers, whatever. And we'd also touched on dates about a month ago with the date of the death of John Keats being Katie's birthday, the date of the death of the writer Colette being on my birthday. And so we were just sort of already thinking about numbers in terms of dates. And so the idea just sort of naturally occurred to us. So I don't know where to start, except maybe with unlucky numbers. Yes. The most unlucky of which is what? Number 13. In the Anglo-Saxon world, obviously it's the number 13. And specifically Friday the 13th, if you're talking about dates. Mm -hmm. What do you know about 13 and why it's unlucky? I found one article where I don't know where they get this statistic from, but they say that the the U.S. population specifically and their fear of the number 13 results in the financial losses in excess of $800 million annually. Why? Because people avoid marrying, traveling, in some cases even working on the day 13. Is that possible? Which Jeez. seems crazy. <laughs> I'm surprised. I can understand maybe not getting married, although, I don't know. I'm not a superstitious person myself. I like talking about superstition. I find it fascinating, but I don't actually live my life in a superstitious way. So I'm always shocked when people in, in our day and age, like in the modern times, are so superstitious. It, it kind of shocks me. So that's surprising. Yeah, but superstitious enough that most hotels in the U.S. won't have a 13th floor. Still, still. Still. I think some even apartment buildings don't. I know, it's just a weird, strange thing. So there are a lot of theories about why this becomes an unlucky number. But one theory is, is that because mathematicians and scientists often point to 12 as one of the perfect numbers mm -hmm. and that so many numerical systems are based on the number 12 yes 12 months of the year you know how we measure time distance etc the number that comes after the perfect number the quote-unquote perfect number would have to be the imperfect number mm -hmm. the unlucky number and of course that would be the number 13 <laughs> And then, of course, there's like biblical stuff about it. The 13th guest to arrive at the Last Supper is Judas Iscariot, who's mm -hmm. going to betray Jesus. And then in Norse mythology, the 13th person to show up to a party in Valhalla is Loki, who's the god of mischief. Oh. And it's also this tipping of the balance. Like you have a perfect balance of a dinner party if there are 12 people. Yeah. Every place setting you buy, if you get it's a complete true. place setting, it's 12. Yeah, it's totally true. What happens when the 13th person shows up? <laughs> you know, it automatically throws it into an imbalance. I know. I know. It happened to me once when I was a little girl. Oh, really? I'll tell you the story really quick. It totally scarred me. Hmm. It was one of the earliest traumatic memories of my life. Jeez. I was very sensitive as a child, but it was Thanksgiving dinner. I can't remember my exact age. I had to have been at least six. Probably I was closer to eight because my parents were divorced. I remember what house it was in. I was at my dad's. And I was, so I was still a little girl, but there were only two of us little girls at the dinner. It wasn't like there was enough children to have a kid's table. So just me and my sister who was three years older. So let's say eight and 
11. So we're all sitting at the table together. And I actually don't know if there were 12 people exactly, but I mean, 13 people with me. But every single person had like the same place map. Every single person had the same nice china plate. Every single person had the same nice wine glass, including my sister, who's just a few years older. Every single person had the same nice type of silverware, the same cloth napkin. I was seated literally at the corner of the table. I had no placemat. I had a different type of plate. I had a different type of cup. I had a different type of fork. I had a paper napkin. And I was little enough that it shouldn't, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't have bothered me, but I was horrified. It it like literally was traumatic. And when I told my mom, she was so mad. She was so mad and she got on the phone and she completely reamed my father. It was not my father who had done it. Of course, it was my stepmother. I can only assume it was done purposefully. But I mean, that could equally be a product of being the youngest. I know, but... Because I'm also the youngest. And, <laughs> and when things run out, who do you assume? Like, Doesn't you know, care. If you're going to give the plastic spoon to somebody, you're going to give it to the youngest kid. I know, but I would have in my dinner party, I would have at least with the two children... One of the children will get a cloth napkin and the other will get a placemat. It's not just one who's getting all of the crap, you know? I'm surprised they didn't make me eat in the doghouse. I like, (laughs) you know? It was so traumatic, so traumatic. I think that's where I dated not getting along with my stepmother. My stepmother and I get along great now. We're no problems, but when I was little, it was totally different. But anyway, let's get beyond that early childhood trauma. Yes, I read something similar about when there are 13 full moons in a year. It used to totally mess up the calendar for the monks who created the liturgical calendar of the year because so many Catholic holidays fall based on the moon, which is sounds kind of pagan, but that's how it is. Like Easter is, is all about the moon, like the first full moon after equinox or whatever. So that was unlucky for them. It was an unlucky year when there were 13 full moons in a year. And as far as Friday the 13th, On Friday the 13th, 1307, the 13th of October, 1307, was the date that the Knights Templar were arrested, tortured, and murdered. So some say that that's why Friday the 13th is very unlucky. And Friday is unlucky in general, just in the Judeo-Christian tradition, because that was the day that Christ was crucified as well. So maybe they just took Friday and took 13 and put them together, but... uh, That's what I got for why Friday the 13th is unlucky. Mm. And another thing that happened on Friday the 13th, much, much later, was the Costa Concordia cruise ship crash, which killed many, many, many people, 2012. So that was a Friday the 13th. But yeah, but in in Italy, the number 13 is lucky, actually. Why? It has something to do with calcio, with soccer. I don't really know. I didn't have the patience to like, carefully look at it because I have no patience for Italian soccer culture. <laughs> but it, it is lucky and it's lucky in France and it's lucky in China. It's lucky in China because the word for 13 sounds like the word for something very positive like wealth or prosperity. I can't remember exactly the word. But for that reason. I read also that that in the China, and I don't know Chinese, so those of you who do, if this is wrong, forgive me. I read this somewhere though, that in the Chinese language, that the number four is a is a worse number because four is related to death somehow in how it sounds. Yes, I, I feel like I heard that too. Like in China, I think a lot of it is the way that the numbers sound, like what they sound like, what other words they sound like. In Italy, 17 is the unlucky number. Hmm. The main reason, and this is what I already had been told, was that 
if you rearrange, and I think this is kind of a stretch, but whatever. You gotta have an unlucky number. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, uh, if you rearrange the Roman numerals, so the Roman numeral for 17 is XVII. If you rearrange them, you get VIXI, which means lived, which is, would be on a tomb. It would say like, Katie Sewell lived from this t- year to this year. It's a negative thing because it means you're not alive anymore. Yes. And because it was always on tombs, it was considered unlucky, the number. There's this game that everyone plays in Italy, particularly on, on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, and that's tambola, which is basically like bingo, except there's more spaces and there's more numbers. And it's just numbers. It's not like a number and a letter. It's just numbers. But it's basically bingo. And... Every single number, though, has a meaning. And if you play it a lot, you know the meanings for all of the numbers. And sometimes you don't mention the the meanings, it's just about the numbers. But in some places, they'll say the meaning instead of the number, and people just know. One number might be boots, and another number might be the devil, and another number might be breasts. I don't know, it's that (laughs) random. But the number 17 is disgrace. I don't know if that's another reason for being unlucky, but that's something else I found out about 17. I wonder if there's a why human beings would need an unlucky number. Or just need superstition at all. Or need a lucky number. Yeah. Either or. Well, do you have a lucky number? Uh, not really. When I was a kid, I would have said five. Although why? I don't know. I think it was because I liked how it looked on a die. You know, some dice. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, the five is definitely the superior dice number, looks-wise, I would argue. Looks-wise, yeah. So I would say that the number I see the most accidentally is... 1234. <laughs> That's bizarre. I feel like I always check my clock right at one, two, three, four. Huh. But I, I don't necessarily think give that any credence because it, it could be like, I just checked my clock right now while we're talking and it's 1223, uh-huh. my time. And so I don't take any note of that. Now, if I had said that and then clicked on this and it was 1234, I would have been like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we make these patterns out of nothing. You know, I just happen to notice 1234 more because I've taken note that I see it. Well, that's true. I, I believe that that is totally the way things work when it comes to quote unquote luck, that it's it's more of what you notice. We've talked about this before than what is sort of like randomly occurring. Right. I have always loved the number 14, though. I still consider 14 to be my lucky number. And it's been my lucky number since I was 13. <laughs> I don't know why. Aspirational. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But it was. it's weird. There's something more to it than that. I just love the number 14. And when it comes to single digit numbers, I've always loved the number four. So those are my numbers, four and 14. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess I knew that about you with 14 because for years I would try to think, okay, Tiffany's birthday is coming up in August. What day is it on? And I would almost (laughs) always think the 14th first. Really? And then I was like, well, I don't feel like that's right though. So it must be that I knew that about you and I associated that all of a sudden with your birthday, which if I hadn't sorted it out, you would have been like, geez, Katie always sends me like a card like two weeks late. (laughs) Why does she do that? That's funny. Has it ever brought you any luck though, this number 14? I I think so, but I can't remember specifically. Like I don't play the lottery or anything like that. 
So I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it's more like one of those numbers that keeps recurring that I see often that, but it's probably just that I notice it more than anything else. Then when I started thinking about numbers, I thought about Rome's lucky number, which is seven. Oh. The number seven appears a lot in Rome. Most obvious is like the famous seven hills of Rome. Rome was built on seven hills. But there were also seven kings of Rome before the Roman Republic. So in like the archaic period, there were seven kings. And there are seven major basilicas, Le Sette Chiese. And there's actually like the Giro delle Sette Chiese, which basically like in a holy year, pilgrims were supposed to make the Giro delle Sette Chiese. The, they were supposed to visit all seven churches on foot. Probably not in a single day. They're very far apart. If you were to do them all in one day, like I think you would be dead. But during the holy year, you're supposed to visit all seven churches by foot. I don't know. I feel like that's a goal next time I'm there. We should see if if we can do it in a day. Well, I mean, you should come in 2025 then, the next time there's a holy year. Okay. Which isn't that long from now. (laughs) It's not that far away. It might be when we're just getting out of our homes. Who knows? (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) I'm thinking that's going to be not your next visit to Rome, but your second. I like it. But there's also the Septizodium, which was this gorgeous ancient site in Rome that's been destroyed. Unfortunately, they used the marble to build something in the Renaissance. And this was a a temple to the seven planetary deities. Mm. The seven planetary deities, I love this. This is like something that not a lot of people know or they might not realize at first. And then when you think about it, it makes sense. Particularly, it makes sense in Italian, if you speak Italian. The seven planetary deities, right? They are um, the moon. From memory. From memory, everyone. I'm going to try. I'm doing this in a particular order. It's not really that hard to memorize. I just have to to concentrate and I'll explain why. Uh, So the moon... Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and these are not just the planets, by the way. These are the planetary deities. Venus, Saturn, and the sun. Okay, so those seven planetary deities, in that order, they're the names that the days of the week were named after. Oh, yeah, that's nice. So Monday is the moon day. In Italian, it's lunedì. comes from moon. Martedì, in English, it doesn't really sound like it because Tuesday doesn't seem to have anything to do with Mars, but it's the, it's the Norse name. It comes from the Norse name for that same god. And then Wednesday, again, is another Norse name, but in Italian, it's the, you know, Mercoledì or um, Mercury. And then Thursday in Italian is Giovedì, which is Jove's Jupiter. And then you get an English Thursday, I guess it comes from the Norse god. And then Friday, again, is Freya, is the Norse, so that's Friday. And the Latin version is Venerdì Venere, Venus. And then Sabato is, well, in Saturday, that works in English. It's Saturn. And then Sunday, obviously in Italian, they changed it to be more Catholic. Domenica means the day of the Lord. But in English, they've kept Sunday, the day of the sun. That's very cool little bit of a tangent because that's not so much about numbers but I thought that that was interesting I love it do you happen to know where that temple used to be yeah it was on the Palatine Hill but like on the lower slope of the Palatine Hill okay it's hard to describe especially because I can't tell you like northeast south or west but if you look at the Circus Maximus let's say you're standing in front of the Circus Maximus right behind the Circus Maximus is the Palatine Hill like going up Mm -hmm. right so you're on the Aventine side and then the Palatine Hill is in front of you If you look at that, and then you were to look to the far right, 
as you're facing it down the slope. So like really close to the street that you would drive on to get towards the Colosseum, which is, I want to say, Via San, Gre- San Gregorio, maybe. It was like right there. Mm-hmm. Very, very skinny and very tall. So very strange shaped building. And I think it was destroyed by Pope Sixtus V in the 1580s. He was building himself a really fancy palace and he needed some marble. Mm. So we lost that. Thanks. I know. Thanks, Pope. Thanks, Pius. So much of Rome was destroyed, not by barbarians, but by popes. It's so sad. They could have afforded to just send some people down to to the quarry to get some, some more marble. I did ask my family in the lead up to doing this episode if there were any significant numbers that they wanted me to know about the people in my immediate family, which are my parents and my two sisters. And the the ones that they shared with me that I thought were pretty interesting is that my dad graduated from college on 6666. Whoa. <laughs> and he became a minister. Interesting. Yeah. And he became a minister. And on the day he got ordained was 7770. Whoa. Which you can't say much about the 666 because that's the mark of the beast. But seven is the a number for the absolute perfection of God. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was three. I thought three was then like the perfection. I think three is also very significant. Yeah. It depends on which system of numbers that you're counting. And my sister said that her two children are seven years, seven months, and seven days apart. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's very cool. Just accidentally, very, of course. Very cool. But yeah, well, I mean, you can't plan something like that. Yeah, seven years, seven months, and seven days. Seven years, seven months, and seven days. And that's 777 as well. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So maybe 777 is a very important number in this family. Maybe seven should be my favorite number. Maybe. My maybe. lucky number. Or 777 should be my lucky number. Every time you fly, you must fly a 777. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, I'll try to make a point of it. Katie popping in here. It's season eight, and we got here because listeners encouraged us with their notes and emails, with their online reviews and articles that recommended the show to others, with donations to help us pay for web hosting fees, fees to podcasting platforms who host our audio, and workable equipment and microphones, and so many other little things you never think of when you decide to make a show like this. And even more donations to say thank you for all the entertainment, the painstaking audio editing that stitches two pieces of tape from two different countries and puts them together so that they sound as natural as if we're talking in the same room. Those donations that go above and beyond the fees and taxes that we owe and allow us some income for all this hard work. We appreciate everything you do to spread the word about this show and all the ways you support it. There are links in the show notes if you want to pitch in, too. This week, I want to thank Ed, who I work with at NPR, and Jennifer, and Paul, and John, my former boss at the People's Pub in Ballard. I am so grateful for you four. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And now, back to it. So here's something kind of random about me. I am, and I had to look up the word because I couldn't remember how to say it. I am a synesthete. Yes. I don't know who is familiar with synesthesia. I shouldn't be able to say it since I have it. Is it synesthesia? Synesthesia. It's a hard word. Synesthesia. It is a hard word. That's not one I want to say on the radio. No, synesthesia. So synesthesia, if you're not familiar, is basically when your senses get cross-wired. Is it a psychological or maybe a neurological phenomenon 
basically your senses get mixed up and you you can hear a color or you can see music or you can feel a smell like it's just it's very bizarre but the most common way that it manifests there's kind of like two really common ways that it manifests and one is that you see letters and numbers in color and the other is that you you sort of see color in music uh, like if you hear a piece of music you have a very very specific color associated with it. so it's very linked to color but it's not only that i think it's w- much more than that but for me and i didn't know that i had this until not that long ago until i first heard about it and i heard about this and i was like oh my god it was just so bizarre to me because i thought it must have been some kind of weird quirk for me specifically with numbers letters too but not as strongly but numbers as a child i just remember doing math as a little kid and the two was so incredibly yellow some numbers are stronger than others for me like the strongest ones are two three and four two is yellow three is blue and four is green it's so strong in my mind and the other strong ones are six seven and eight they're not quite as strong though but six is pink seven is purple and eight is orange and then nine is red not quite as strong and then five is black and one is white. Those ones are not nearly as strongly colorful in my head, but the two, three, and four, and the six and eight particularly are just, I don't know, I, every time I think of a number, I see it in that color. It just is that color in my mind. So when I say 777, seven, seven, do you think of it as all those sevens in the same color or is 777 seven, seven a different color? They're all purple. All the sevens are just purple when I think about them. Hmm. After I discovered this, first of all, it totally blew my mind that this was a thing. I started to go through the alphabet because I thought it was, oh, I was like, people, people associate letter, colors with letters too. I was like, oh, well, I don't. Wait, let me see. And I went through the alphabet and Katie, every <laughs> single letter, and again, there are a few that are not quite as strong, but almost every single letter is a specific color, but it's much more specific. Like the colors are much more shaded So like A is a very light green and B is orange and C is like a medium shade of blue and D is a dark brown and E is like a very, very pale yellow. And I went through it and I thought, keep going. Okay. F is green, like a leafy green. G is very dark purple. H is beige. I is off white. I'm closing my eyes right now so I can see them really strongly. J is like a medium purple, like a royal purple. Um, K is navy blue. Hmm. L is like a medium green. M is bright red. N is very dark blue. O is white, P is pink, Q is very dark red. Anyway, I could go on, but... What's T, out of curiosity's sake, for your first first initial? T, I know, is orange. Orange is not really a, a color that I have an opinion about either way. It's not, I don't dislike it, I don't like it. It's just, it is, it's bright orange. T is bright orange. It's weird. It's weird that I didn't think that I had these associations uh, I knew that I had the number associations. It was so strong to me. So was it more surprising to find out that that it was a condition uh, that had a name? Yeah, it was. And that it's like a neurological thing. I don't know. I'd have to look it up to see what causes it. It's not a bad thing. It's not like a disorder or anything. It's not going to cause you any problems in life, probably. But yeah, and I mean, I could imagine like if you're a painter, it would be a very positive thing. You could like put music on and you could paint 
based on what you're hearing. But it could equally be, I make you an alphabet book, say, of just big letters for you to learn them, and you would think, what is this person doing? Like, I'd have a bright red A. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, that's not right. That's wrong. Yeah, that's that's funny. Do you know if the colors are the same with everybody? Uh, no, 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 they're not. They're not at all. Everyone has their own personal what they see or what they hear. When I listen to music, I do get very strong visual sensations, but I don't know if that's just me using my imagination. So I don't know if, it, if mine will go all the way to music. But here's the really odd thing, Katie. This does not seem to have anything to do with it. These two things do not seem connected. But I read that this is an aspect of it, which is another thing that I've had since I was a little kid, which is basically when I think about the year, the calendar year, I picture it as a long oval. Think of like a clock, but instead of being round, it's very long oval. Okay. And it moves counterclockwise. January is at the top left. The first of January would be like the center, mm-hmm. right? And it goes counterclockwise. And I literally cannot picture, I cannot even almost talk about a time in the year without picturing it on this oval wheel that I have in my head. Hmm. And it's not perfect. If it were perfect, like the first of June would be at the very bottom, but that's not how I picture it. Like for some reason, August and July take up more space than they should. (laughs) Maybe because when you're a kid, like (laughs) summer, you want it to last longer. I don't know. So July and August take up more space than they really should. Whereas like January and February take up less space. When I think about your birthday, I always think of it up here. If I were looking at a clock, it would be around... 10.30, 10.30, you know, like up there, 10.30, 11. If I think about my birthday is like down near the bottom, you know, but slightly to the right. And then of course, I, whenever I think about the beginning of the school year, like I can't help but picture it over there down in the lower right. Like so September is starting to go back up. It's weird. But I read that that is the same exact phenomenon as the color with the number. Hmm. Are there any colors on the oval or no? Um, not really. I don't think so. Not that I can think of. This is interesting. <laughs> I feel like you've got to find a way to capitalize on this. I have a question. When you say, I don't remember your colors, so I'm just, uh, let's say, what did you say A was? A was... Light green. Like a light green. Do you consider that like a fact? An A is is a light green object? No, I don't think it's a fact. I think it's the way I see it. But it's considered a fact in your life. I guess. I mean, to me, A is light green, but I know that that's not the case for anyone else, or I mean, not everyone else anyway. Hmm. But two is yellow. (laughs) Two is definitely yellow. (laughs) Does this make you dislike certain letters or numbers based on your dislike for a color? Um, You know what? Well, D for me is like dark brown. It's not a color that I particularly like. And and I've never really liked the letter D, to be honest. Uh So I don't know. Maybe. A little bit. Interesting. I'll try not to take that as an insult as a person with dark brown hair. <laughs> no, but that's not the color. Not That's not the color. It's more like the color of poo. <laughs> not as dark as your beautiful, beautiful raven hair. Fair. Wow, that's it. really interesting. I have no idea what that would be like, but I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. As you, as you said, you just sort of said, like, do, your, do the months have colors? And mm-hmm. I said no. But now that I think about it, I, I, I do feel like February is purple and January is red and April is green and May is pink and September is yellow. And I don't know why. Some of those seem like they're based on the 
and I could be wrong because I'm not a Catholic scholar, but some of those seem like they're based on what's happening within the Catholic church, like the changing of the colors. The liturgical calendar? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely purple is the Lent color, Mm -hmm. but it also could just be green and pink make you think of spring, Mm -hmm. April and May, and September yellow october feels orange but i'm like that's just because it's october and there's pumpkins that can't really be me being weird it's probably just you know that's what i say when i hear music and then i see something i see it get a visualization i don't know that's probably just me picturing what emotion i get from the music and then translating that into an image as far as as opposed to having a true neurological connection yeah it's interesting uh so tell me tell me what my first name would be color wise um well katie is like a k is like a dark dark blue a is light green t is orange and y is like um y isn't very strong to me all of those very last letters in the in the alphabet are very weak but i would say something like a light yellow or an off-white beige cream maybe cream Mm. Not the best color combination. But K K is definitely dark blue. I like dark blue and orange together. Okay. I think that's pretty. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> so just to end, a couple of kind of crazy things that I just discovered today while I was researching for this episode. There are two sort of magic numbers. Well, the first one is a magic number. It's 1089. Mm. And this is so cool. And I tried it out. This is really, really cool. Try this at home. Take any three-digit number any three-digit number at all. Okay. And then invert the numbers, invert the numbers of that three-digit number and subtract the smaller number from the larger number. Then with the result, invert those numbers and add those two numbers together. And you will always get 1,089, no matter what the number is that you started with. All right, really? Let's try this. You think it's impossible, right? Pick a number, Katie. Does it have to be multiple numbers just to walk me through this? No, it has to be a three-digit number. A three-digit number. Okay, so we'll do four, five, six. Okay, so four, five, six. Now I put them backwards. Put them backwards, so six, five, four. So it would be six, five, six, six hundred fifty-four minus 456. Get your calculators out, everybody. Okay, so that's 198. Okay, so then take 198 and put that backwards. That's 891. 891 minus... Plus one, no, oh, plus. plus. Plus 198. Plus 198. And what do you get? Okay, is, oh, 1089. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it is a magic number. Magic number. And here's another one. I could eat this all afternoon. Yeah. Go ahead, though. What's the other one? So this is the other one. So if you take the number, this is a long number. It's it's 12,345,679. So it's basically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. There's no eight. You want to multiply that huge number by multiples of nine. So nine, 18, 27, and so on. If you multiply it by nine, you get 111,111,111. If you multiply it by 18, you get 222,222,222. Oh. If you multiply it by 27, you get 333,333,333. So that's cool. That is cool. I wouldn't call that a magic number, but just a very cool number. It doesn't feel quite as magic as the first one, but... Um, that's great. That's really cool. And then I looked up just to see, I was like, what is a perfect number? You know, and I was thinking I was going to find three or seven or 12. But according to 
the dictionary, the perfect number is the number, it, well, it's not just one number, but a perfect number is technically a positive integer, which I think just means like a round number that's positive, I think, that is equal to the sum of its positive divisions, excluding the number itself. So I know that sounds technical and I had to like <laughs> figure out what that meant myself. But so take the number six. What numbers can be divided evenly into six? Three into one, two, and three, right? Also six, but you, we don't, you don't count the number itself. So one, two, and three, add them together and they make six. Mm. And there are very few of these numbers. There's six, 28, 469, 8,128, and then lots more that I, I only wrote down those first four. And this was discovered by Euclid in 300 BC. That he, well, he came up with it. And he also came up with a mathematical equation to be able to find these numbers. Wow, good for him. To be able to figure out what they are. Yeah, he was smarty pants. You know, the only numbers trick I know is about the multiplication tables having to do with nine. I think most people would know this. What's that? But the multiplications of nine are the easiest to figure out. And that's oh. because if it's nine times two, for instance, you get 18, right? One and eight equal nine. And the, the one is one number less than two. Mm -hmm. You go nine times three, it's 27. Yeah. The two is one number less than three. Seven equals nine. <gasps> nine times four is 36. Got it. So it's always one number below what you're multiplying it by and then whatever makes it into nine. So three is less than one number less than four. Okay. See, I knew that all the multiples of nine were, if you added them up, they would be get, would get nine. But I didn't know the trick about the one number less. That's a cool trick. That is a good trick. Yes. That was a victory for me when I'm sure my parents taught me that. <laughs> I, I did not come up with that on my own. Well, with that, let's leave it there. I think we've talked as much about numbers as two not super mathematically inclined people can. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun, though. Really, really fun exercise. <laughs> and I, I feel like you have some sort of a superpower now. I don't know what its use is for, but um, I don't know. It just feels like your brain works in a particularly interesting way. Well, thank you. Well, okay, we'll leave it there. You're welcome to write in and tell us about your lucky numbers, your unlucky numbers. Tell us about your, more importantly than that, we want to do our Pollyanna episode soon. So... If you have any silver linings you want to share with us about anything in your, that's going on in your life, the small moments, the silver linings, we're going to still do that episode sometime in the coming weeks. So yes. tell us what, what little tiny things have happened to you recently that have made life good. You can either write to us at bittersweetlifeatmail.com, M-A-I-L. You can also send us a voice memo, which we like those even better. And sometimes we include them on the show. So just get your voice recorder out on your phone, tape yourself saying something and then just email that to us at the same address or you can write to us on social media uh, we're on facebook twitter and instagram just search for the bittersweet life podcast and there's also uh, a contact button on our website thebittersweetlife.net and one final thought that has nothing to do with numbers but i love this last week even though it was the end of, of the last season last week we had on bill hayes talking about his book how we live now and we were talking about his former partner oliver Sacks, who was a very famous man some of you if you've never heard of him look him up immediately but he sent me another quote we were talking in that episode about quotes of oliver Sacks that run through our heads at profound moments and after the fact, after that episode was over, he sent me one more. And I thought it was such a nice quote. And it said, 
Oliver said, I don't so much fear death as I do wasting life. Mm. And I thought that was a really, really nice, profound thought that I wanted to share before we get too far away from that episode. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's, I feel the same, actually. All right, and we'll leave it there. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for listening. Our logo is designed by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory, with help from our muse, Caravaggio. Lori Lee Elliott manages The Bittersweet Life on YouTube. We have a brand new newsletter. If you want to hear what we're reading and thinking about once a month, let us know by sending an email to bittersweetlife at mail.com and we'll put you on the list. And some of you write us the most beautiful emails. If you haven't already, leave us a review as well on your podcast app. Your support is vital to the show, so whether you send in a financial contribution at thebittersweetlife.net or spread the word about the show to your friends or through your social media by writing an article or doing an interview with us, we appreciate your support. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for keeping this show going. Take care, be safe, talk soon.